This song, There's a Light, comes from, it's actually called uh, 13, and it comes from Psalm 13. Um, and, uh, and so the song that, that, uh, that we're going to look at this week is really kind of comes right out of the Psalms, and so we'll talk about that. Gay, would you read for us the song? Here's the, let me put it up on the big screen too. How, how long, Lord, will you forget me? Forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with the thoughts that day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I am trusting in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Thank you. I missed that last part. Sorry. Um, I don't know if you have been in a place, and I'm sure that, um, that you have, but this Psalm 13 that says, How long, O Lord, how long will you forget me forever? <laughs> um, I, I prayed that prayer. Um, I've, I've, I've been in that space, and my hunch is, is that um, part of what it means to be human is to be in that space, is to wonder if you're alone. Is this all there is? Is the thing that I was um, told was going to sustain me, was it just like a mental gymnastic thing to keep me away from the deepest fear um, that at least Freud says there is? Annihilation that it doesn't really matter at all, that at the end, um, it all gets taken away. And so we have this Psalm 13 that's, uh, that starts, How long, O Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Um, we're in the middle of a, um, a series in the, the, big, the big church where um, we're talking about being tethered to God. Last week, um, I, um, I was able to, to preach, uh, and one of the things that I have been struggling with and wrestling with is this idea that uh, at times our faith, at least we come to faith and we want God to secure us, to secure our lives, to make it sunny in 72. I kind of want a San Diego spirituality, to tell you the <laughs> truth. I mean, have you ever been to San Diego? I'm like, why doesn't everybody live here? And then you look at the housing prices and you realize why everybody doesn't live in San Diego. But there's a sense in which when I became a Christian, I kind of thought, I'm going to be getting a San Diego spirituality. And here's the deal. I give my life to Jesus and I try to be a really good person and God makes my life super secure. Right? That, can I get an name? That's the deal, right? That's a deal I signed up for. I don't know the deal y'all signed up for. But I was really hoping the deal that I signed up for is that I was going to give my life to Jesus and stuff was going to work out. Now, the boat may rock a little, but I wasn't going to be capsized. Right? Um, so when I heard <clears throat> Jesus say things like this, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Three days in... Um, a whale at the bottom of the ocean. 
I didn't know what to do with that. Right? Bottom of the ocean. Three days. Well, that must be about you, Jesus. Right? Um, that must be what you're going to do so I don't have to go through that. And so my spirituality and my religion often genuflected a lot so that what spirituality was to do it was to provide a space for me that was, um, um, was deeply stable, unchanging. Um, sunny in 72 San Diego, thank you. And that's what, um, that's what I was hoping would happen. And then you have these psalms that come along and begin to show um, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemies triumph over me? You begin to have these other um, experiences. Uh, I'm going to go through the, this really quick. Um, and so one of the things that we began to, or I began to at least to unpack a little last, last week in the sermon that stuck with me, is that, and Brueggemann talks about, Walter Brueggemann, an Old Testament theologian, talks about this, that there's three types of psalms. That there's psalms of orientation, psalms of disorientation, and psalms of reorientation. And that really follows a pattern of our life. And this Psalm uh, 13 is a psalm of disorientation. Um, and often what happens in our own spirituality is that we don't lift these psalms up and talk about them. And so often in um, modernity in the West, our psalms are always about from strength to strength. And if you're going through a difficult time, a rough patch, um, often um, people pull back. I don't know about you, but I pull back from people when I'm in a rough patch, right? Because I really want my Facebook page to emulate what's happening on the inside, and if it's not, I still Facebook the heck out of my life. And often then there's this gap that exists between the life that we want, sunny at 72, didn't you promise this to me, God? And then the disorientation of our lives. So often what the, um, the Psalms of disorientation do... <laughs> Um, and I don't know a lot of hymns of disorientation, right? It's always, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That makes me want to say really bad words, because it's just not true, right? Um, and, and so often we sing songs that come out of places of deep orientation as if this is the norm. And if you're not standing in the norm, there's something wrong with you. And then our spirituality is supposed to secure the norm. And then when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death called divorce, addiction, um, called um, nutty kids, called uh, I don't know how to seek intimacy with my partner, called loss of job, we have this reaction that says this is not right. What is right is to be sunny and 72 in San Diego with Jesus because every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And we cling to that and our religion becomes a security mechanism and a program of security and securing our life. And so when we go through deep times of trouble and um, disorientation, we have the tendency to grip onto orientation and pull back from people. Is, does that, do you experience that at all? Am I talking just to myself and my own? Because this is, this is how we often we do these things. And so 
in this class and in this space of time, what we're attempting to do in the crossing is to say, what does it mean? What if? Just what if this was the pattern um, that, wasn't, um, that wasn't here to disrupt? What if orientation was like normal? And then what if disorientation was like super normal? And then what if reorientation was like super normal? And, and that God is in each one of these. What I said last week in the sermon was that um, what we have to begin to ask in this is, um, God, God what, um, what do I do? What, what, what is this um, space and time asking of me? What is required of me? Because what is required of me in orientation is not required of me in disorientation. And a um, superficial or a, uh, not superficial, that's not the right. A young spirituality will come to, a, to um, God and say, Sonny, 72, that's what I signed up for. And then when we become disoriented, we'll begin to wonder, where is God? What's happening? Why have you forsaken me? All the normal stuff. But if we get stuck in that and never ask, okay, what's required of me, we'll never go deeper. And so disorientation comes along to disorient all the things um, really around our own security and control. Um, and so when we enter into times of disorientation, It doesn't mean that we have um, become unfaithful. It doesn't mean that, um, um, I mean, because for part of my life, kind of um, acknowledging negativity was somehow unfaithful, right? If I questioned where God was, that was somehow being unfaithful. And, and what the Psalms say is that what we have to do is that we have to take our human experiences and we have to voice them. We have to give, it has to come up as, I remember Jim Jackson saying, it's like a, it, we, we shove these things down into the basement of our lives. And um, we have to learn how to give them voice. They have to come out of our throat. And we have to put words to them so that we can put them in front of us so really we can put them in front of God. My sponsor says that anything I bury is always buried alive. And so, in times of disorientation, the Psalms say, here are words for you. Here are words that you travel through various um, uh, parts of your spiritual geography, where it's not always sunny in 72, it's sucky in 68, I guess, or whatever. I don't know what the sunny, anyway. Um, it's just not sunny in 72. How about that? <laughs> and, and it feels like we're lost. It feels like we don't have the map. It feels like the things that were secure are now insecure. And if we begin to use um, what a spiritual person in my life says, toggle between shame and blame, which we often do, right? At least I often do. I'm going to blame another person or I feel so much shame about where I'm at. I'm never able to ask the question, what is required of me? In this season of my life, in disorientation, what is required of me, O oh God? 
Uh, that's a good question, isn't it? Because um, often as human beings, we're attempting to get out of a situation. We're attempting to change people and places and things in our lives and control those things so we can get back to sunny in 72 and everything's okay. But to grow often, to grow always, means that we will be disoriented in the places of our lives that we seek orientation in and that God's in the middle of that. And so what the Psalms say is, here's words. You've got to put these words of your human experience out of your own basement of your life, out of your throat. Really, I think, often i found the best way of doing that is with another person that constitutes the presence of God in that place. And I've got to be able to put this experience of being, um, how long, oh Lord, why are you hiding your face from me? I've got to put that between me and God. Right? Because if not, what I'll end up doing is I'll treat God as a concept. I'll treat God as um, um, some kind of magic that I haven't done something right in. And so if I could just kind of figure out the balance of my own behaviors and kind of brown-nosing Jesus enough that maybe the scales will kind of tip, you know, a little, and then it'll be back in my favor. And so then the relationship is really about again, securing my life and manipulating whatever divine presence is out there so that I can get back to my own sense of control. And what God is after is our depth, is our growth, that we might, over the stages of all of our lives, and this is, again, a cycle that we will repeat all the time, um, is a depth that we will be able to surrender and let go of the things that we cannot let go of in a stage of orientation. The disorientation is always to allow us to see new vision so that we might surrender what is limiting us and we might move into a deeper depth. Okay? That, that's why these things are, are often... <laughs> um, life happens. And so, um, in psalms of disorientation um, is, are these places where um, um, we're often given language that breaks through our own denial and our own reality and our own culture. And um, often that permagrin smile that we pull down and, and I ask Ryan, how you doing? He says, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. And if I stay in that permagrin with a brother that I have committed myself to, to um, go deeper, this is what it means to bear false witnesses. Right? Now, I'm going to bear false witness to folks that I don't know. Right? I mean, that's just, we, we get, no, I mean, I'm not going to share with somebody in a grocery store the stuff I'm going through. But I've got a brother that cares about me. And I am deeply committed not to let him see me sweat. I will never grow beyond that. Does that make sense? And so most of us in our culture have been taught how to put the mask on, suck it up, and never let anybody in on what's going on. And then we treat religion and our spirituality and our Christianity like magic. And we get to a place in midlife where we're like, this... This is not working. 
And at the depth of it, I believe the very spirit of the living God says, oh, it's not working, is it? I have places for you that go deeper. And the price of that might be the mask that you wear, might be the control that you're trying to exert on everything, might be the fear that you don't want to let anyone else in on, might be the shame that you're carrying around that you don't know how to speak to someone. And this is why I think, um, I mean, you reduce my my spirituality down to this. This is the concept I believe in. It's where the two or three, it's in relationship. Does that make sense? It's in relationship. It's in these depths of of Ryan and I moving into a deeper space with each other that constitutes how we grow. And I think going to therapists or test driving that, that's like having the tricycle wheels on. We got, and I've, listen, I've I've gone to therapy a ton, right? Um, But that's got to somehow transfer over to real life relationships. So what I'm disclosing to a therapist, I've got to end up having relationships with other men, particularly in my life, women, other women in your life, that you can go to those depths. And so there might be a whisper that happens in that place, me too. Me too. I got you. You're not alone. And if we are committed to a type of spirituality that says, I can't let people in, we will always be tethered to the shallow end of our life spiritually. And again, I think this is why part of the reason why people have left the building. We have all these hand wringing about, oh my gosh, the American church, what's going to happen? Okay, let's have a kick-ass band and maybe it'll get folks back. It's not the band. You know what I mean? It's not the band. We do have a good band. We've got a good band, right? Thank you. I think what people are hungry for is to be able to let someone else in on their lives, take someone by the hand, and we begin to walk with each other in our own fears and doubts and insecurities and our kids and our relationships and all these things, right? In non-creepy ways, that we're given processes and capacities that really are deeply spiritual, that we can say, um, I remember when I was withholding from a brother my own sense of my own secrets. And I began to share with him some of my secrets, and he didn't move away. He stepped in closer. That's an experience that shame has no idea what to do with. Because if I'm loved in the very place that I have made a covenant with myself, I will not share this. And I take a risk and share it, and love shows up. Shame goes, oh no. And, and, and recedes. And I think, I think the world is hungry for um, relationships like this. Relationships like this that we're trying to do here that say um, this is the way of transformation. That's just risky. (laughs) Yes. That's scary to do that. Make that good. Mm. Because you don't know those 
Y'all hear that? Anybody else feel that? It's risky. The price for deepening spirituality, deepening life, is always a risk. Um, there is no growth without risk. There is no um, depth without, and I, so when I read Kierkegaard in um, my PhD, I love this guy. I mean, just, this guy's a freak of nature, beautiful, because I felt like there's a philosopher that got it, that he says, um, faith is not hold my beer, watch this, which is the spirituality I grew up in. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Hold my beer, watch this, right? He says that faith is standing. Um, I have a deep uh, fear of heights. My kids like laugh at me because we'll be up on a hotel um, uh, in a hotel where there's like a um, a balcony, and I can't go within ten feet of it. I could, there's something in my body that says no. I, I'm seriously, it's like, it's, and they laugh because my sons will walk right up to, and they'll lean over. I'm like, no! <laughs> you know, I'm grabbing them, pulling back, and they're just, and so it's like, let's have fun with dad. Watch this, you know? Um, what Kierkegaard says is that, that is the walk of faith, right? That, that is deeply contested. There is, there is a deep sense of, um, of fear in it. And, and I think part of that is that um, there's also a tenderness of God in the middle of this. That, um, that there are relationships that we end up having where maybe over coffee, there's a sense in which um, there's a summonsing to take a risk and to share a little more. I don't think faith is just kind of standing on a 50-foot balcony, standing up on it and just jumping. I, that's nuts. That's not faith. I think that faith over time, particularly in our culture, may be over time sharing what you can consistently with a brother or sister that you trust. And here's the other thing. They begin to, I think trust and faith is reciprocal, right? That I'll have uh, relationships with men that there's this kind of, there's this kind of uh, tacking that goes back and forth where I'm sharing a little, they're sharing a little. And I don't know if it's about kind of mutual potential destruction. <laughs> you know, we both have enough on each other that we're like, all right, we're going to go there, aren't we? Okay, let's go. You know, but there's something about that where you begin to say, oh, I can trust this person. And the um, false self will always shudder aback. And there will always be a summonsing to step into that place that says you can take a step. It's just your ego. But here's the other thing. You don't know that until you've taken the step. And then you look back and you say, man, that ego of mine scares the crap out of me. It keeps me tethered to the small end of life. And when I share with Ryan the exact nature of what I'm struggling with, 
and he shares with me, and there's this liberty and spiritual stuff that begins to flow out of that, you know, goodness, love, acceptance, belonging, all the stuff that I want and need, I'm like, oh, this is good. I want some more of that, please. Right? And you begin to realize that, um, one, in the New Testament, um, Jesus always talks about the enemy, the thing that opposes God as being the accuser, right? Diablos, the devil, is always the one that says, oh, no, you can't do that, right? And so there's something about standing in the space of someone else saying, I'll take the step with you, but you've got to take the step. That's risky. I don't want to um, just jump over that because this is where spirituality, I think, is born in risk. I mean, if all it was was belief, I believe in Jesus Christ and my personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to go to heaven forever. That, that's easy, right? That's no risk. But if Jesus says, I want to bid you come, which, what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says is that when Jesus calls a person, he bids them come and die. And that, that death is not like um, being a martyr as much as the death of my own self that I have all this in that I'm trying to contain and trying to image manage in front of people. And when I'm with another relationship that's summonsing me to a depth, I have to give that up. That's what dies. What dies is my own sense of identity that, 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 uh, and control. Does that make sense? That's, that's good. I think I have a Sunday school class here, but what else? A lesson, but yeah. Dave. Uh, in my life, disorientation and, and the hard times have been the crux of me growing. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that has ever stopped me is my own fear. And the, and the thing is that having men especially in my life uh, that I trust uh, because if I'm talking to a woman, you know, I'm thinking about all these other things, you know, about me and the woman, you know, so that's, you know, that yep. gets me all track. So, <laughs> We're going there, David, aren't we? All right. <laughs> I'm being very honest here. Yeah. <laughs> You know, having those guys, especially where I can go and feel comfortable talking about the most, you know, hardest things that are going on in my life, in my soul. And at the, at the end of that, by being able to share that and getting back the message from someone that I trust and love, I grow from that. Mm. And, and the, the pain that I go through is me not allowing myself to, to go to that person or persons and say, hey, things are not okay. It's not 72 and we're in San Diego. Yeah. You know, it's freezing here and I'm dying. Yeah. So I yeah. need your help. Yeah, sure. And to say, I need your help, mm. it, you know, because your ego is not your amigo, as we both know. Yeah. 
So, you know, once I get past that, I, I have a chance. And my faith grows, and I get closer to God. Yeah. And that's, 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 I mean, this is great. Thank that's you, Matt. Right. Thank you, Dave. My ego is not my amigo. I want that T-shirt, right? Uh, let, me do, let me say this. So in, in, um, in the younger part of my life, what, what I learned about God was that God was omnipotent, omniscient, uh, all the omnis, right? That God was uh, a superman jacked up to the nth degree, right? That if I knew what power was, dunamis in the Greek, that's like a nuclear weapon, then God was even more. Right? And um, that knowledge helped create a container of security that there is a power greater than myself. And then you come into the New Testament, and at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he can walk on water, but at the end, he can't carry his own cross. And we say there's something about weakness that displays something about the strength of God that dunamis, power, cannot. And so part of what I'm learning, um, and I, I haven't, I'm not quite able to articulate all this yet, so this is going to be like gross anatomy. Um, what, I'm, what I'm learning in the darkness is that um, what I was taught, God is unchangeable, immutable, omnipotent. And I'm finding in the darkness is that God is faithful. How long, O Lord, will you hide your face from me? And then in the midst of that, as I lift that up, and I'm able to say that out loud, I'm able to journal that, I'm able to let somebody else in on that, what I begin to see in the dark, because there are things that the darkness can teach that the light cannot, that what we have is not a God who is all-powerful dunamis, but God's love in presence and in faithfulness is God's power in disorientation. God, would you change this? Oh, that, um, you're asking for something that I don't do. God, would you do this? And there's silence. And then the other questions are, maybe that come up after that, get me out of this, are, where are you? And we find on our knees at the bottom of our life that God is on His knees next to us, whispering our name as a faithful presence. And that if God is only going to be unchangeable and omnipotent and omniscient in your life, you will never know the kind of presence that comes in the midst of darkness. And that often we have to surrender our ideas of God in these big words for the experience of God in the midst of our own disorientation. Does that make sense? So what God is teaching us in disorientation is a God that um, appears to be quite different than the God from strength to strength and every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. This God is a God that bears our iniquities and our, our, our weaknesses. This is a God of sorrow and grief, as Isaiah might say. He stands with us in the midst of our sorrow and griefs and says, um, as a wise person said to me, the only way around 
is through. You have to go through. And so after the genuflecting of in disorientation, as we walk through that threshold of like, how long, O Lord, this sucks, O Lord, O God, help me, is that we can begin to ask in the presence maybe of other people we find in the dark to say, what is required of me? What do you, what is this to teach me? And those are different questions that um, come up in this, uh, in this space. I want to say that often disorientation, too, is um, just acknowledging that there's trouble in relationship. The relationship that we have with God often. As I, I am disoriented because I thought that, God, you were to secure my life, and I don't feel very secure. And so the question underneath the bottom of that for me is, can I trust God? Are you trustworthy? Because I thought you promised Sonny in 72. And then there's, uh, um, I believe, a spiritual response back that says, um, what I'm asking and require of you is depth. And San Diego is a great place, and we'll go back there. We're going to go back to San Diego. (laughs) And you will be older and wiser when you go back there. But, um, But right now, you're not in San Diego. You're in Detroit. (laughs) so the question under that is can I trust God can I trust God and all the way through the scripture all the way through folks in my own life that have learned the way of surrender because at the end of the day all of the songs of you two are songs of surrender they're all about surrender And surrender is about um, the human experience of through the variability of life of not having it finally in control. Because if your deepest need is to be in control, you will never grow. Because the deepest need that we have is trust and belonging. And that comes from surrender. And so I think that these places of our own surrender happen in our minds, in our hearts, and in our bodies. Finally, I have to surrender the way I want it to be in my mind. I have to surrender the ideal. Because if I did it all right, it would end up like this. If I did it like this, my children would turn out like this. If I prayed the right prayers, these things could be controlled here. And I have to, that part of it is surrendering that part of my mind that wants to control everything. Part of it is surrendering a closed off heart that says, well, I'm taking my toys and going home then, God. I'm going to figure out ways that I can be sunny and 72 in San Diego all my life. And you can do that. You'll just be in a van down by the river. You know folks that live in San Diego and never grow, they just end up kind of being homeless folks in a really beautiful place, miserable. And then our embodied sense of what it means to, to our bodies to be trapped in this kind of trauma or fear or whatever is that, that we end up having to surrender even those things, our bodies. Underneath it all 
is a summonsing that God says, you can trust me. But you're going to have to trust me. Often that leads through the relationships with other people around you. So. Questions or comments or things that people... Patty. I just like to share a conversation. When I saw her, I said, um, how are you? I said to her, when I answer the question, how are you, with an okay, that usually means I am here, but I'm in despair. If I'm okay, I need to stand by. And so I said that. I said, you know, when I say okay, that's what that means. She said, well, I am disoriented. And hmm. so interesting about that, Patty, is I think you're on to something. Like, if, if Adam Law walks up to me and um, says, how you doing, Matt? And I say, all right. Right? And he says, really? It doesn't take much for me to go, no, I'm not really okay, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> because I think, I think what we hunger for and what we long for as human beings is somebody that actually sees us. I see you. And I'm a safe person. And I, you can share this with me. I mean, it's, you scratch the surface of us, we'll go there. Um, but we, we'll go there with folks that we trust. We'll go there with us. Right? And that's the important thing, is being a community of folks that well, and we're going to have parties and we're going to have a blast and we're going to laugh together and just do super inappropriately funny things with each other and send memes. We're going to do all that stuff. Not super inappropriate, just marginally. Yeah. Um, um, but we're going, to, we're going to have fun. And we're going to carry each other and be carried by a spirit that won't let us go. David. I, I just was thinking, you said some, some stuff at the beginning about um, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy statements that are like, great, that's not really helpful to me. But there is one way that, that, that it's been that I, I remember this phrase, and it just kind of strikes me as being about this surrender of, of um, you know, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it, right? Mm. That whole, there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. You can't stop it. You might be able to slow it down. You might be able to kind of make it harder for it to get to you. There's nothing you can do about it. Ultimately, that that kind of that is what I kind of take away from this mindset of there's there's nothing you can do about it. You can you it's go, it's gonna come to you. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and the way that it comes to you and exactly how it comes to you. Yes. Some of it comes through yourself, some of it comes through conversations with people, some of it comes from different places, but it's gonna come to you. And when when you stop trying to stop it, then you're in good shape. That's right. That's good. That's good. John. Kinds of risks. The risks I know about can prepare for, and then there's the risk I don't know about. And of course, dangerous risks are the ones that are spontaneously created that you don't know about until you're actually living. And, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how to. Uh, handle those kind of risks other than 
pray to God if whatever happens to me, and mm. whatever happens to me, please take care of me. Mm. Pray for the Lord. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and the other thing, no matter how you decide on a risk, whether you know about it beforehand or not, that decision you make will create just kind of like a, a branch out of the sub risks. Mm. Yeah. Let me say this. There's a deeply, that's helpful. There's a person who's helping me um, in my life see some things I can't see on my own. Um, and, and part of that is why we do spiritual practices is not to secure our lives. It's so that we might become more aware. So that we can see. Jesus is always saying um, in the New Testament, wake up or um, for those who have ears, let them hear. He's always healing blind folks all the time. I don't think it's because there were so many eye problems in the New Testament as much as also it's a new way of seeing. You know, he's teaching a new way of seeing, you know. Um, and so I think in the midst of that, um, um, there is this, this spiritual practices, whether that's journaling, taking a walk, meditation, whatever spiritual practice. We are, you ought to be cultivating those because what ends up happening is it allows us to become more aware. And awareness is always the first step, right? We have to slow, spiritual practices allow us to slow down and become aware. And that what I become aware of, I can accept. And so awareness and acceptance are like, like junior hires at a slow dance you know, they're just going to dance together and be all like, hey, whoa, look at those guys, you know. Um, I don't know why that image came to me. <laughs> it might not be helpful to anybody else, but I think awareness and acceptance um, somehow are connected in a movement. That's maybe better than to say that than a junior high dance, okay. Um, so you've got awareness. What's happening? What's reality? Oh, Matt, you're controlling. Oh, this is what shame is. Oh, welcome, fear. I'm aware of that. Then I can accept, and then I can move in ways that are, uh, that are wise. That's what the spiritual practices and being in good relationships often help us do. And that's the kind of spirituality I hope that we're attempting to cultivate in this place. So, great. I realize we're, we're at time. Jeff, did you have something you want to say? Please. Father, I've been carrying for a few weeks is when we talked about the U2 song we talk a lot about the line we get to share it. To me, there's this idea that he's coming back, there's almost a throwaway line there that says, it leaves you baby if you don't care And to me, that just that speaks to the opportunity that we have. But the intentionality it requires to take that step, to take that risk. And that window is not open to them. Could you have just talked earlier than we could have prayed and had a lot more time? <laughs> and could have just gone home. That, that's it. I used to think that I could open the window, but there's something about like when the opportunity's there, I don't want the risk and the fear to be there. And so I'm waiting for the risk to be mitigated and to go away. And to me, to feel super comfortable about it. And that's, that never happens. And so even though I walk through the valley of disorientation and shadows that are contestable and I cannot control, thou art with me. 
And you will never know the God in the shadows unless you take what Jeff just said, that risk. When it, when it, when it uh, uh, appears. <laughs> That's good. Oh, yeah. 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 We're all, we're all there, Jeff. I, I don't, the, the most spiritual people that I know, like Father Gregory Boyle, who I've gotten to know a little over the last few years, who wrote a book called Tattoos on the Heart, which I think ought to be required reading for everyone. Like, the closer I've gotten to folks that I'm just like, oh my gosh, that is the bono of the spiritual life, right? You get close to those folks, and they're just kind of screwed up, surrendering whatever they've got to surrender. So I don't think that there's ever a place where you're, you're not doing this, <laughs> which is both really sad and frustrating and really encouraging. <laughs> All right. Yes. One last thought. That's the thing that makes that harder and makes that more complicated for me is that we frame it as a risk or, you know, put, taking a step out of the mm. But I often think that God sees that as a gift. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Through a, yeah. a risky lens that we probably aren't comfortable with or that we want to reject. And he sees it as yeah. the way out and we just reject it. Yeah. Again. Yeah. 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 That's right. The tenderness of God says, oh, I've got you right where you can grow. That's good. Yes. Yes. just the death of our ego, right? <laughs> right? It's, it's these, these deals I've cut with my ego that said, you can't share this, you can't go there because, and then all the shame or fear or whatever, or image, right? And so often what the spiritual way is just teaching us that actually we have to betray those things that are betraying us at the end of the day. We have to acknowledge the things that are betraying us. And we have to go in a path. And I think the reason it feels like risk is because um, um, it doesn't feel natural. And once I think the way of surrender and trust feels natural, I think the loop between, oh, hell no, and okay, maybe. Okay, maybe this has come to, to okay, I, okay. And maybe that could, hopefully that gets shorter. Yeah. All right. Can we pray? Do you, John, do you have one last thing? Yeah. I think Heidegger called this average everydayness. 
the elevator compensation. How are you fine? How are you fine? Good, good, good. Well, have a nice day. You too, have a nice day. Uh, yeah. It's just sort of slow. Yeah. And none of us really gets on the elevator to go, not fine. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, you don't. <laughs> Meaningless, my children don't right. respect me anymore. Do you believe in God? Nobody that's, uh, yeah. does it. That's right. So I think yeah. maybe on an elevator, but we're called to, yes. to put the shields down. Yeah. And that is scary and risky. Yes. That's right. That's right. I'm going to try that tomorrow morning. <laughs> Stop that elevator and be that creepy guy. <laughs> All right, the very last, last word, Sarah. <laughs> no, I just find that when I'm afraid to risk, it's because I either don't trust in my own resilience or I don't trust that God will be there to pick up the pieces because it can go sideways. It does go sideways. Yes. And yes. that's okay. And if I can just remember that literally nothing will explode, I can get past that. Yeah. But the ego says... Oh no! Yeah, all is lost if you take. You know what I mean? It's right. amazing how powerful it is. Yeah. It appears. Like yeah. A shadow, like a mouse, is very small. But the shadow of the mouse is big. Is uh, that's right. You know. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Why don't we stand and just take hands with the uh, with the folks next to us? God, we, um, we thank you for the hands that we hold in this circle, that somehow you're allowing us to um, get closer to each other um, through our own relationships, through your love, through a presence that um, is deepening us. And so, God, we'd ask that you continue to let us grow deeper, that you would continue to liberate our own lives, that, God, we would find you to be a presence that is deeply trustworthy and that this week you might summons us to risk in a place that we might find liberation in. Oh, come Holy Spirit, have your way in us, through us, and even often in spite of us. It is in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen.